This is exactly right. If you're a fan of meticulously crafted worlds that reimagine every little detail, then you'll enjoy the podcast Imaginary Worlds. Host Eric Malinsky spent over a decade working in public radio and uses those skills to create a sound-rich podcast that features interviews with Andy Weir, who wrote The Martian, the writers of hit TV shows like Star Trek Strange New Worlds, designers of games like Magic the Gathering, and the puppeteer who designed Miss Piggy. You can find Imaginary Worlds wherever you're listening to this podcast. Welcome to another episode of I Saw What You Did. My name is Millie DeCherico. I'm Danielle Henderson. <laughs> Danielle is <laughs> trying not to laugh right now. <laughs> if only you could see, if only you could see what we're doing right before we decide to start talking. On, <laughs> and what we're, on what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like we should just tell them now. Yeah, well, we were laughing about... Um, well, how did it even start? Now I don't even know how it started. We were talking about how if if, <laughs> if you watch enough true crime, you could probably commit a murder successfully. And then that yeah. got into things that you don't do, like don't right. mail yourself a knife. And then that, <laughs> that got us on to Mommy Dead and Dearest, because that's what happens in Mommy Dead and Dearest. And right. I was ta- we were laughing about how um, we watched it together. And I, re- I was just remembering how um, there was a part of that documentary, I guess, where they talk about Nicholas Godijan, who's right. one of the, the murderers, um, yeah. how he got caught prior. He was caught masturbating at a McDonald's for nine hours. And we paused it. And I was like, <laughs> nine American hours. And then Millie was, <laughs> was talking about working at fast food restaurants and how everybody at that fast food restaurant did not, everyone at that McDonald's didn't give a shit. <laughs> but just because no one had kicked him out, right? Like he had been there for nine hours and nobody did a damn thing. Oh, and I'm just sitting there going, in my experience working fast food, which I worked many, many fast food jobs <laughs> when I was younger. We don't that that situation is too elevated for the pay grade. You know what I mean? And you're just like, I'm just going to go chill in the back. I don't even want to know what this guy's doing. Oh, my God. I'm just maybe cry laughing. <laughs> Thinking about like some 17 year old being like, I'll just that there's another shift coming in a couple hours. If he's still here, they can deal with it. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Hi. Let, the, let the manager handle it. <laughs> well, Hey, we're we're doing a podcast today about film, and oh, <laughs> we are extremely happy to be with you here today because we didn't want to just talk about McDonald's. We wanted <laughs> to talk a little bit about you, in fact, you listener, because we've been getting a lot of great mail from everybody, and it's something that Danielle and I are like really into. We love hearing from you guys. We love reading emails and the messages on social media and everything, and it's like so heartwarming. Like, honestly, like I'm like, this is everyone is so great and has been so nice and supportive. And we love that. Um, and thank you. So we figured we'd probably just like read a couple of cool things that we've got. Right. Yeah. I feel like we're on a different Internet when we get messages from our our listeners because they're all so nice. <laughs> and I'm like, why have I been on this Internet the whole time? <laughs> it's really great. It's like we went through a portal and we were like, 
wow, it could always be like this, but yeah. So thank you for that. Thank you for giving me hope, which I have not had for years. (laughs) Well, I mean, first of all, I have to say, we have probably not gotten more emails about this subject yeah. Then we then this, which is that everybody loves your grandma. Yeah. Everybody wants to know grandma. Everybody wants to know when the t-shirt, mug, sweatpants, home collection is coming <laughs> with carry a knife, cut his throat. So like I figured you can we can just start with that. We can just talk about like what's going on with her, like, you know, the response. How is it making you feel? Have you even told her like what's going on? I have definitely told her because we had, you know, I had to get her permission to post it on the show. Sure, yeah. And um, her home healthcare aide, I've, I've, I kind of take care of my grandma. She's, you know, she's getting older and needs some some in home help. So I hired a nurse for her uh, who comes to hang out with her every day, and her nurse is great. And she played it for her, and my grandma was just like, "When did I say that?" I'm like, <laughs> oh, okay. And then she's like, "Well, it doesn't matter when I said it. I'm right." <laughs> Like, I'm right. <laughs> so You're damn she right she's like, right. She is fully in support of the advice that she gave. She's very enamored and, and loves all the messages. You know, thank you for, for just making her even more insufferable. <laughs> no, she's not. She's, I love my grandma. She's not insufferable. I know. Um, but yeah, we definitely... We'll get some merch going, I think. I think we have to get some some kind of home collection going for the Carrie and I've cut his throat <laughs> gang. <laughs> Yeah, we need to be in like a showroom off the interstate with all of the grandma collection. I want like a full a five piece bedroom suite with like carry a knife, cut his throat, like delicately painted on the headboard, like the whole whole nine yards. But it's going to be in like that that live, laugh, love font. Except it'll say Carrie and I've got his <laughs> Exactly. That's exactly the vision that we're that we have. But we yeah, we're uh, we're cooking up some exciting things maybe on that front. So stay tuned. Yeah, stay tuned. She will be back. Um I have more recordings of her and I'm recording new stuff with her. Um basically all I have to do is let tape roll every time we talk and she'll she will inevitably effortlessly say something insane we're waiting we love it (laughs) (laughs) and you've been you've been getting some really good um some emails that asked really good questions about film programming and watching movies with your friends yeah i'm so well first of all i think what somebody wrote in um a listener named kim and she she actually pointed this out and i i have heard of this movie and seen this movie so i'm i didn't mention it just because i feel like i don't know Actually, I don't know why I didn't mention it, but um, there's actually a a movie that is based on the Lonely Hearts Killers that was made in the 90s, I think, and it's called Deep Crimson. It was made by uh, a Mexican director named Arturo Ripstein, and um, they had mentioned that they had seen it, but that they hadn't. They were like looking for it again, and I want to say it's on the Criterion channel, but, you know, who knows? Uh, It was at some point, but it's I think it's out there so you can. You can find it. Um, at least at the time of this recording, you can find it. But yeah, I uh, it's cool. It's a cool... You could do like your own little double feature of The Honeymoon Killers and Deep Crimson if you wanted to. Yeah. And then we had another another listener, Claire, who was basically just... I think she was just trying to like get some advice on 
She basically writes, I had a film programming question. I'd love to do a double feature movie night with some friends, but I'm worried that people will get bored sitting through two films. How would you pick movies for a double feature? Immediately, I was like, girl, I know what that means. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Because I've been bored with, with a double feature. But yeah, I mean, honestly, I feel like it has everything to do with snacks. Am I wrong? I mean, you're not only not wrong, you are 100% nail on the head. (laughs) Snacks and bathroom breaks. Yeah. You need a plan. I mean, honestly, I would not tell you to to program like two, three hour movies. Right. If you were going to do a movie. Okay. We got to get into this real quick because we got we got to talk about movie links. I'm I'm always like I have a soapbox about movie links, which is that movies are too fucking long these days. And Mm -hmm. and I mean, I know it's because I've been programming classic films for the past like 16 years where old movies are like 75 minutes and it's wonderful. Like you're like, oh, a 75 minute comedy is perfect. Like, that's it. It's it's no fuss, no muss. These days, you cannot find a comedy that's less than two hours long. And I'm like, why? Don't even get started on the dramas. The dramas are now. A full week, bring a sleeping bag. We've got a lot to say here. <laughs> but it's like, okay, even even with a drama, it's like at least there could be a reason to have a long movie. Like if it was a historical drama or if somebody was in fucking space, whatever. I get it. But a comedy, like a like a buddy cop comedy or like an ensemble comedy about like crashing a wedding or some shit does not need to be two hours long, in my opinion. No. Like some of those jokes... Leave them on the floor of the cutting room. We don't need all those jokes. Do you know what I I mean? mean, Kill your darlings. It's just that crazy thing where I think that there's, well, I mean, I'm saying this and we're in the middle of a pandemic where nobody's going to the movies. But prior to the pandemic, I think people were really like, let's just get them in that theater for as long as we can and, you know, get them to buy those snacks or, you know, tweet during Mm -hmm. the movie or something, which is abhorrent, by the way. Never tweet during a movie. Um, I encourage people to whip out their phones because this movie is seven hours long. Yeah. And they have to check on their children and call the babysitter. Don't do it. Don't do it. Have a plan. And that's kind of what I mean about a double feature. It's sort of like, so movie links are a thing. I would suggest if you're going to play a long movie, play it first. Because no one's going to sit through like Gian Deal Men at like four o'clock in the morning. And it's like a three hour and 30 minute movie. No one's going to do it. So Structure it where the longer movie is probably first. On top of that, it is literally all about those snacks, all about the refreshments. Have a plan. Make sure everybody comes in perfectly caffeinated, maybe over caffeinated, mm-hmm. but you don't want to be under caffeinated. And, you know, get that candy out. Get those like get the goofballs out. Do whatever you got to do. Like just, you know, make a little make a little presentation for people. Or, you know, if you're if you're doing it over Zoom or something, just require people do cocaine before you uh, watch the films. No, I'm kidding. But, you know, just like nobody wants to work like a, a 14 hour day and then watch like a double feature of like two extremely esoteric art films. Like just, you know, have a plan, right. everybody. You know what I mean? And also like, you know, I would say also snack up, snack up first. And then between movies is when you do your pizza, your dinner, like give people a reason to, st- to stick around. Let them stick around for the meal. Don't just give them the meal up front and let them bounce. Exactly. It's kind of like when Danielle and I were, when we would go to the new Beverly, we would do that like second movie hot dog thing. Mm -hmm. 
That intermission yeah. hot dog will carry you through a lot of shit. Yeah, you gotta you gotta break. I mean, I know that sometimes you're like, I'll oh, just sit through it. I'm like, no, you gotta get up. You gotta walk stretch. around, get the blood flowing, get the hot dogs flowing, stand in line, get get the blood flowing by getting mad at people who are not paying attention to the line, and you're waiting, and they're talking to their <laughs> goddamn friends, and they're checking their fucking Instagram. Get that blood going any way you can. Somebody comes, you come back, and somebody's taking your seat. Like, just start a fight. Do whatever you have to do in between those two movies. Punch your friends in the face. Just punch punch your friends in the face. I love how we are uh, condoning punching people in the face and snorting cocaine during movie screenings. So, yeah, the movies obviously come to the right place. At that point, (laughs) the movies don't matter. If you're just taking cocaine and punching people in the face, who cares what you're watching? You're watching America's Funniest Home Video for four hours straight. <laughs> oh, I will also tell you, or I should say, um, Taryn, our social media assistant, will tell you that um, she came to, to visit me in New York once uh, a few years ago, and she had never seen John Wick. So I basically was like, you need to come directly from the terminal to my house to watch John Wick. And we watched, we you know sat down, we had booze and snacks get them out early and it was so fun and we laughed so hard and had such a good time that we just immediately watched on wick too oh so that's another way to do it like set up a good one-two punch go for it yeah what a dream well so speaking of taryn so like taryn is has been monitoring the social meds for us and we really appreciate that she did notice something, which is that a lot of people were were writing and talking about the Heavenly Creatures episode. And so I was thinking Danielle could take this on. Yeah. Because I think it was just a simple misunderstanding, perhaps. And not not even not even. Here's here's what's up. Because we have received and I don't think I'm being hyperbolic when I say that we've received 455,000 emails and possibly 10,000 Instagram comments about Anne Perry. <laughs> and trust me, we know about her. We know. The basic gist of it is Juliet Hume changed her name to Anne Perry and became a novelist who wrote crime novels. Pauline Parker also changed her name. But here's the thing. I felt like we can't talk about one and not talk about the other. And Pauline Parker is an incredible recluse who moved to a very, who intentionally moved to a very small town and might be dealing with some mental health issues. So I don't want to feel like talking about, you know, Ann Perry is like, oh yeah, she went and had this great life and this great career and leave out Pauline. Sure. So we know, we know about Ann Perry. You don't have to send us another thing. And we appreciate all 455,000 of you that wrote in. (laughs) Well, I, I gotta be completely real. I didn't know. I know that you knew because you're a writer. So it's like, obviously that makes a lot of sense for me. I actually didn't know that. And I was surprised to hear that. And then I was like, yeah, okay. Um, she changed her name. I mean, it all tracks, but yeah, I, I, so I was educated, but I was educated by you actually before the 450,000 emails. So, but anyway, we got it. We're cool. Like we're, we got we're good. It. If I'm ever going to admit anything that is clearly that important to people ever again, I will mention that I'm omitting it. Like I know she's a novelist and I'm not going to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, good. I'm glad that we um, we cleared it up a little bit. But, you know, obviously, thanks a lot for all of those emails to make yes. sure we knew. Um, Even your emails asking if we knew were incredibly polite and very kind. You oh, were like, you so idiots. <laughs> yeah. like, nobody was like crunk about it. So thank you for that. Yeah, it wasn't, um, too, also, wasn't too splainy. You know? It was not too splainy at all. You guys are just great. You're great, great, great listeners. And I also appreciate something that 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 we saw and that Taryn flagged for us is that um, there are so many turnip recipes that came in. You are all <laughs> so kind. <laughs> so kind. <laughs> oh, my God. That was so, so great. So many turnip recipes. Yeah, I um I was so happy to see that because I was like, shit, this is what we need. We need these recipes right now for this quarantine. So now you got them. It got him. And I hope I never have turned. I hope no, I never accidentally get turnips again, but I'll tell you what I actually did with them, which was um, I put them on a sheet pan and roasted them with some sweet potatoes and some regular potatoes. And like I made a roast. So I kind of roast, I roasted the, the vegetables, um, like all this the parsnips, like root vegetable roast. And um, I did that with two of the turnips and it, they were disgusting. It was horrible. And so I, I took that last turnip. Horrible, horrible. Took that last turnip and I mashed it. I boiled it and I mashed it and I put a bunch of butter in it. And I, you know, kind of put a little garlic in it. Also fucking terrible. It tasted like, <laughs> <laughs> like this acrid kind of, it was like a, a bitter I don't know, like a bitter tomato. It was just, it was a bitter potato. I don't, I didn't like it. I didn't like it. I appreciate the turnip recipes, but I'm also deeply suspect that anyone can make turnips delicious. <laughs> well, when we're back in the physical realm again. We're going to have to do like, um, maybe we'll do a bonus episode about making a turnip, all the turnip dishes from our listeners but you tried and that's the most important thing that's what i tell my nephews who are three and six years old as long as you tried it that is completely my mo and i also <laughs> talked about it in therapy because i was like hey why can't i why can't i i spent you know a good hour on it why can't i throw out these gross vegetables why do i feel like i have to eat them because you know i grew up poor and right. we decided we had a good talk about it about what i what i deserve and uh, you know, what I a good talk about my mom and we got into my whole family dynamic. A lot of shit came out of those turnips. Let me tell you. Damn. Just, just when he thought this was an innocuous little word, suddenly <laughs> lit a fuse in the hearts it's and minds of the nation and in yourself. It's not a turnip. I, it's a lifestyle. Yeah. Also, like, I love this because we a lot of people were reaching out to us specifically about the changing female friendships episode and just about how they could relate to it, which I think is awesome. Like, I'm so glad that people felt comfortable enough to talk about that kind of stuff with us. Um, I think specifically me without you, I think a lot of people were like, man, that movie really yeah. like, again, little fuse. And I, I had to say like, it was, I, I, when I watched that movie again too, I was really like, wow like this is a lot and this is you know i mean i hope that no friendships broke up because of our episode <laughs> but like maybe it was like a reflective thing for prior friendships like i hope yeah. nobody was like fuck my best friend's a bitch like <laughs> <laughs> she's trying to get me to smoke a cigarette from her foot and i was like fuck that <laughs> And their 
were there were like so many sweet and tender messages and emails about like I was the Holly or I was the Marina in this Holly Nat relationship and like yeah I just yeah it was very nice and and really incredibly sweet to, that you would would share that with us yeah it was really and I good. also we've been getting the other thing we've been getting a lot of messages about is. People are asking us why we don't mention where to see the movies each week. And there are a couple of reasons. Um, The first reason being that not everyone who's listening lives in America. So we can't do the work of telling everyone where to find the movies each week because not everyone lives here. Yeah. And I and I would also say, too, that I think that people have different economic situations. It's also that, you know. There's a question of should we watch before the episode so we're prepared? Should we watch after? You can watch these movies whenever you want. We're hopefully talking about them in a way that you can have fun with the movies we're talking about without us ruining them if you haven't seen them. Um, But you could also just use this podcast to create a list. You don't have to watch everything the minute we say, hey, this is what we watched. So even if you can't find something right now or you can't you know, afford to rent something or buy something or, you know, it's not on a streaming platform. It's okay. Just keep a list and, you know, use this as a resource and just have fun with us. Yeah. We want you to be able to just listen whenever. Like, you know, I listen to a lot of other film podcasts and, you know, there's a lot of movies that I hadn't seen that get mentioned on those things and are people who are talking about them in depth. And I'm like, oh yeah, note to self. And also too, I think a lot of, um, a lot, a lot of people are kind of wondering like how we pick the movies and sort of like what's the conditions for the films, like what makes us pick certain films other than others. And honestly, it's just it's just our personal preference. I mean, like I said, we weren't coming to this podcast trying to be exhaustive about things. And uh, it's just sort of a double feature that we like and want to talk about with the, the other person. And I mean, there is going to be some episodes where one of us doesn't like the movie, both of us don't like the movie, or that we're just not in agreement about certain things. Like, so, you know, there's just going to be episodes that will do that. And we just, you know, hope that that yeah. isn't going to sway anybody from not listening or, you know, it's, I think film criticism and, and film analysis is like that. Like not everybody loves every single movie that's ever come out. In fact, it's probably the latter most of the time. It's like, I know a lot of people that hate a lot of shit, but, um, we're, you know, we're, we're keeping this open we're not, we're basically just trying to talk about film and sometimes it's like warts and all, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I hope, I mean, I think that the hope is that you're, you're coming here for us and for our personalities and for what we hopefully, hopefully what we give to you because we just give and give and give. I'm kidding. We don't. (laughs) You know, give it, give it, give um, <laughs> Yeah, I think that hopefully you just enjoy us and you enjoy, you know, our perspective and that you can trust that we are open and we are listening to you. And if you suggest themes, we are going to do our damnedest to to cover the things that we feel like can, you know, can can be a good episode and can give us some good some good runway to talk about some some movies. And really, it's all about for me anything that will lead to a discussion about nicholas go to john masturbating for nine hours i still can't get over it it's been like four years (laughs) oh rose lead back to the go to john (laughs) oh god let's give these people some movies (laughs) we got to at this point Oh god! Here's here's what's great. Here's what's here's what's great about the movies this week. Millie and I both 
prepared for the same movie. <laughs> we forgot which one chose which. So we fixed it. <laughs> but that was a pretty fun moment um, for us. <laughs> yes. Yes, I will. I, we did. But you know what? The theme is very, very easy to talk about, at least for me. So what's the theme this week? We are discussing dance conservatory movies. Mm. Why are we talking about dance conservatory movies? Because I don't dance. I don't have that kind of joy in my heart. So what for you is like the draw? And I kind of question this of myself. Like, why do I watch dance even though I can't do it? I will say I am unshamefully in the absolute other category. Like, I am obsessed with dancing. I have been since I was a kid. Um, Really? Oh, yeah. I like to say it's because I'm half Filipino. Now... Filipinos fucking love dancing, as you can witness from all of the America's Best Dance Crew episodes. It's like the only time Filipinos are ever on TV is when those shows are on. I'm like, oh, there's like 15 Filipinos on a stage. They're like the Jabberwockies or whatever the fuck. Like, my people are here. Thank God. But it's funny because I think that at a certain point, I... I'm 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 like uptight about a lot of stuff, I guess, but for some reason I just don't give a fuck about what anybody thinks of me when I'm dancing, and I don't even think I'm that good of a dancer. I just it's like a missing it's missing within me to have shame about dancing in public. I love that. That's pure. (laughs) That is pure to me. (laughs) And I I think, but I think that the reason why this theme kind of appealed to us as we were kind of planning out the episodes is because dance conservatory movies are also kind of about performing arts schools or, and it's also about like the sort of enigma around that about like schools that, that focus on like performing arts and like, you know, and that was always this like really fucking enticing thing for me when I was a kid that I just never got the opportunity to, to do. Right. Exactly. Complete. It's it's fraught because I'm like, wait, there are schools where you can specifically go to be like creative, and that's yeah. it. Like I could spend all yeah. day in art class. Like that's great. Oh my god. I know. It's like I went to like this. Sh- you know, like I went to like the shittiest suburban high school in the deep south that specialized in nothing. It specialized in bullying, maybe. <laughs> um, specifically me. So I'm like, you know, <laughs> for. I always had these dreams. I mean, it's like you watch it, like the movies that we're going to talk about, like any of these movies that have come out over the years and that are, you know, specifically about like performing arts or dance schools or whatever. And you're just like, holy shit. Like, imagine like, you know, being a ballerina where you have to like go to school and like, you know, dance until your toenails fall off and shit. And it's just like the one thing that you were meant to do. And I think we're just always fascinated by that. So we are like, Let's talk about Completely. it. You know what I mean? And I, I also, I love watching dance. I, I love this, this, you know, kind of dance conservatory notion of watching people develop. It's like watching people develop a new language. It blows my mind every time I'm watching something from dance where I can feel the emotion coming through their bodies and their movements. And because, again, I don't I don't have that. Like, I I have shut that down and sealed it over like whatever part of my brain or heart that's supposed to be able to be into that stuff. I personally can't do it, but I love watching it. I love watching this development of a language. 
I do too. I love watching dance and I include like not just ballet or whatever, but I include like hip hop dancing. So when I, when I, I used to live in Atlanta and um, I was evolved in some adult dance classes uh, because I had always wanted to take dance when I was a kid. I, I, I think I took like some shitty tap cl- class when I was like, you know, eight, eight years old. But then most of it, it was just like dancing with my sister and my cousins. Like when you Christmas. say adult dance classes, do you mean adult dance classes? Oh, or, no. oh we're all adults dancing. <laughs> I'm talking about like adults taking dance as a discipline versus, you know, pole dancing or whatever. Excellent. Weirdly enough, I've never done those types of classes. I've, I just can't. That's what I think that's the the domain that I will not move into is the pole dancing. And I actually he, have heard that it's a great workout, but I'm yeah. like, no, nah, I'm not. I feel like I wouldn't do it just because it feels appropriative, but also because um, I don't know much like I've sealed over. I've sealed over all the parts of my heart, but I've also like completely sealed the vagina and like the sex. Like I'm just <laughs> I'm just an empty vessel right now all the way around and it's fine. But what's interesting and I'm surprised you haven't taken um, any kind of pole dancing classes because your Instagram handle, which you want me to say it? Yes. So your Instagram handle is Debbie Country, which is a reference to the movie Singles. And the actress who says that line basically created pole dancing classes as an exercise. Oh, my God. Really? (laughs) Yeah. Look her up. That's so fascinating. Well, she I hope that she is a quadruple trillionaire because everyone I know has taken those classes but me and you um for me I just didn't want to get in those like giant you got to wear those like stiletto heels and I'm just like no if I can't dance in like high tops then we're not doing it right but also Nicole Byers Instagram is great because she 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 is trying um she's taking pole dancing classes and she's she posts videos and they're very funny no Atlanta it was it was great it was basically like I was in a uh dance class with like other people my age and it was i have to speak about my my dance my former dance crew as i was we weren't really a crew we were just people that took a class together but it was the mad x crew from dance 101 i literally they were a factor in me like moving to like i was like i don't know if i want to move to la simply because i would have to never take this class again and i remember yeah oh my god like in i was going like four times a week to this class i they it was everybody in the class was like my age and it was so fun everybody was so encouraging and you know it was like the best time of my life and i literally i still talk to those people to this day, like I still text with some of them. I mean, it's been like four years since I lived in Atlanta, but it's like, that's how much I love dance. So I'm just like, yeah. I'm, I'm so happy we're doing this episode. And I Me think that, too. yeah, I think it's going to be a, a fun one. So, well, I'll let you know what we're starting out with. If you want mm-hmm. our first movie in our great theme of dance conservatory movies, which we could even extend to dance conservatories might fuck you up movies yes um <laughs> we're gonna talk we're gonna talk about fame which was released in 1980 directed by alan parker and written by christopher gore why are you here mr johnson because i was young and single and i loves the mingle <laughs> so fame is huge it was a huge movie and i was i would go so far as to say it was kind of the prototype for all dance movies that followed. There's always an element that they explored in fame that you now see popping up in every movie. What's 
fantastic about this movie, brief synopsis, you follow a group of students from their audition through their freshman, sophomore, junior, and senior year at a performance arts high school in New York City. So this movie is based on the New York School of Performing Arts, which is now referred to, which is now called the um, the Fiorello LaGuardia Performing Arts High School, or as it's commonly known in New York, LaGuardia. Uh- <laughs> oh. I love that insider knowledge. Oh. <laughs> And um, yeah, so it's like a real school. Uh, the events that happen are not real, but the school is. What I love is they do a, a, a it's like a musical with, you know, but but there's there's music numbers, but there's also just drama throughout. And there's this, one of the first songs they do as a collective is called Hot Lunch. And I found out that that was the original title for the movie. And I'm like, why did that? Ch- Hot Lunch is a fucking sick ass name. Well, I was going to tell you. A little something about hot lunch. Tell me about hot lunch. (laughs) Well, I literally just read this before I arrived to record. And I was just like, I have not been able to stop thinking about it. So (laughs) here's the thing about hot lunch. Like, it would have been called hot lunch had not Alan Parker, the director, walked past a porno movie theater on 42nd Street and saw that there was a porno named Hot Lunch. And then he did some more research and found out that the term hot lunch is slang for blowjob. It was the slang for the word for blowjob in that time in New York. This is blowing my mind across (laughs) the room. First of all, hot lunch as a name for any sex worker or performer is goddamn incredible. I would see anyone named Hot Lunch do anything. <laughs> I would but take fact- a whole class with someone named Hot Lunch. So <laughs> next ceramics class, the teacher should be called Hot Lunch. <laughs> I am loving both of these facts. Yes. <laughs> what if he never took what if he never took that walk and the movie bombed because everyone's like, this is a movie about blowjobs. Yeah. And there's, and there's no high school kids in it. So that's even yeah. weirder, right? You're like, exactly. wow. I mean, sometimes things happen for a reason. Just saying. So that was a fortuitous <laughs> walk. That was a, the universe being like, go down this street, please. <laughs> Do not make this mistake. Who? Well, the hot lunch song now takes on a whole different meaning. <laughs> But that is fantastic. And also, like, it's 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 also known that um, he, they weren't allowed to film at the actual performing arts school because the board was already worried about the profanity and sexuality. And uh, Alan Parker has directed some bangers. Uh, he directed The Wall, Pink Floyd's The Wall. He directed Midnight Express, Evita, oh, yeah. Mississippi Burning. He has, in most of his movies, he's not afraid to kind of push it. Like, he'll push the envelope a bit. And they were afraid because they'd yeah. seen Midnight Express in his treatment of the Turkish prisons. Um, and they were afraid of the profanity and sexuality in, the, in this because of what they had seen in that. And I also, for years, years, got Midnight Express confused with Midnight Run. So Alan Parker, great, did this movie. Um, it premiered at Cinerama here in Hollywood, which is such a great theater. 
And it actually, again, like it was huge. It won two Academy Awards, one for original song, one for original score. It won a Golden Globe for original song and it won a BAFTA for best sound. And then after the movie was released in 1980, I hadn't seen the movie first. I was I came into fame in a different way. There was a TV show because it became a right. big franchise opportunity. Um, mm-hmm. So I remember watching the TV show when I was like six and seven. Um, yeah. And a lot of the original actors were in the TV show. So, yeah. Yeah, I remember the uh, totally for me, too. I saw the, the TV show way before I saw the movie. I mean, I, I think I only saw the movie. I want to say it was probably like when I was a senior in high school. And I honestly I remember Debbie Allen doing the speech in the credits of the TV show and then was like, why doesn't she have more to do like in the movie? Exactly. You see her in the movie for like three seconds. She's only in the auditions. You don't see her again, really. Yeah, exactly. And that's a shame. I think, I don't know if she choreographed any part of it, but Hmm. she definitely, I should have looked that up before we started recording. Um, But she definitely, (laughs) she definitely did not have a big enough role in that movie. (laughs) Definitely did not. Um, there's also a remake of Fame that came out in 2009, and we are not even going to talk about it. <laughs> File that in the back. Yep. <laughs> File it away. Not talking about it. But yeah, so there were a lot of the 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 actors in this movie went on to become stars in their own right. Um, and you're really, again, like following what I like about this, and I like this is, you know, a pick for the Dance Conservatory uh, theme, is that it really follows these kids in every aspect of their life so you're not just watching them at school which is like chaos you know you've got a room full of people who are playing horn practicing ballet playing piano doing drums like it is chaos throughout it just gives you that feeling that like oh they're just so creative they can't contain it and they don't have to (laughs) the school encourages people to just like put their leg warmers on in the hallway in front of everyone Throw, throw a leg up over the door of the science class just go for it feel it if you feel it it's great i love those scenes it seems like such a heightened emotional space to be in a a performing arts school or dance conservatory that it's just you can't again you can't help but get good stories out of it yeah yeah and good characters out of it and yeah i i just from the jump just superstar shining out of this movie paul mccrane who plays montgomery he's kind of this this small shy guy and you know eventually he comes out to his friends and um you know he has a bad bad family life he lives in a in an apartment by himself in the middle of times square in 1980 (laughs) okay so i so i know that you grew up in new york or at least you grew up going to new york city probably at a young age i would assume so, like, that's the one thing that I love. Well, first of all, like, let's get serious. Like, New York movies from, like, the 70s and early 80s, it's like, New York is scary as shit. Oh, like, yeah. And then I'm sitting here going, like, I'm watching these kids go to their performing arts school. And, I mean, I know a lot of them are, like, it, like they all have these pretty intense backgrounds because they're all kind of products of this, like racial and like socioeconomic reality of New York at that time, right? So it's like a lot of like Latinx people, a lot of black kids, a lot of like, mm-hmm. you know, you know, people of color. But then like the craziest thing is that they all seem and I know that the actors were probably older than they were playing, but like they all seem like 45 years old. And that's why I was like, as a kid in New York, I feel like if you're from New York, you're like an adult when you're like a little kid. Yeah. And I grew up in the country, but yeah, I went to the city a lot because my family is from 
Harlem and from the city. And um, it was always when it was, you know, when we went when I was very young, it was always um, it scared the shit out of me because of the way that my family reacted to being there. So my grandmother would always like grab me and hold me close and be like, don't let go of my hand. And like just, you know, walking through the Port Authority and we would never take the subway. We would always walk even if it was like 40 fucking blocks away. And it was just like terrifying because of their reaction to it. Um, Yeah. But then, yeah, in this movie, it seems like there's this one scene towards the end where Ralph Garcia, one of the characters, uh, is <laughs> he's doing a he's doing like stand up. And oh my God, there's a scene where he just goes. It's out, it's, it's like you're looking at a war report, a war correspondent. He's talking about yeah. Quaaludes and like the shit. And I'm like, you are supposed to just be a stand up what it gets so heavy so quickly and they all they all have the heaviest lives but yeah poor montgomery living in that apartment by himself oh my god 14 that to me so like i know that they have a spotlight on these different kids and like that little triad of like montgomery doris and ralph is like so fascinating to me a because i feel it feels like a lot of like it's like that friendship you had in high school where it's like okay here's like a gay kid a straight girl who has like a nagging jewish stage mother (laughs) and then you have this like mercurial you know wild card guy that (laughs) is apparently like lenny bruce (laughs) on uh, during the evenings while also going to school by the way like isn't it it's so funny that i always forget that um Richard Belzer was a stand-up. This is something I wanted to talk about where young Richard Belzer is in this movie and I completely forgot that there... I remember that he was a stand-up, but what I forgot was there's a whole generation of people who only know him as a cop on Law & Order. Yes. That is bonkers. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, he looked like he was like in the Jay Giles band with like the fucking glasses and the hair and shit and he's that catch rising star and he's like the the open mic guy and I'm like oh yeah like yeah he was a comic so that's so fascinating to me. and the, the other fascinating thing to me about um Paul McCrane who plays Montgomery is that Paul McCrane is the same actor who played Emil in RoboCop who is the guy that gets melted by toxic waste <laughs> And you see his face and immediately, well, if you're me, you're like, that guy gets melted by toxic waste. Yes. <laughs> and I love seeing... What a range. What yeah, a range. I love seeing that kind of range. I love the longevity of that career. He's got on oh to do many God. things, but that just instantly stuck out to me. And also, um, Isaac Mizrahi, the fashion designer, and I think he's he might still be, but at least he was uh, a judge on Project Runway. Uh, He has a small role in this movie because he actually went to the New York School of the Performing Arts that Fame is based on. And he tried out for Montgomery, but he got kind of a smaller walk-in part. But he's in there. Young Isaac Mizrahi (laughs) is in this movie. Um, You've also got Anne Mira, a podcast favorite. Oh, my God. A podcast favorite for sure. She's playing this English teacher who is so tough as nails, no bullshit, that I kind of... I was like, oh, do I have an assignment due? Like, she's so scary. (laughs) (laughs) Takes no shit, man. And her most contentious relationship in the movie is with Leroy, who's played by Jean Anthony Ray, um, because Mm -hmm. Leroy is illiterate. And so he can't read. And she what's weird, what's weird, but also kind of interesting and cool to me about this movie is that they don't really go into whether or not he ever learns how to read. Like, they don't there's a lot of loose ends that they don't really wrap up (laughs) for sure. For sure. So he's, but he's struggling and they have their, 
you know, their standoffs and she's just fantastic in this movie. And I love how they meet um, when he first comes to the school. He's there to support a friend of his who's trying out. And yes. she is a disaster of a dancer, but he is naturally gifted. And they walk up to this table to check in and Anne Mira's doing the check in and she clocks that he has a knife tucked in his waistband and he's like, you want this knife? And she's like, yeah. And he's like, you going to steal it? And she's like, no. And so he drops the knife on the table. But then as they're walking up the steps, he like opens his coat and his coat is just lined with <laughs> knives. <laughs> oh, God, oh my God. Beat. That's the thing that doesn't exist anymore is coats that have like contraband for sale. Like when you open up like a flasher coat and there's like, what yes. you need? I got everything I need. They, like the, somebody needs to make those again. The tiny uh, uh, drugstore coats. <laughs> yeah. My, my favorite, one of my favorite parts in that movie is when Lee, it, as it turns out, Leroy. So obviously when they're doing the auditions, like they audition together, but Leroy and his friend, uh, she clearly doesn't make the she doesn't get into the school but he does and her exit from that <laughs> shit is like she is like a john waters character she's like i don't need this dirtbag shit ass fucking school and like she's like cussing everyone out she's fucking pissed off and i loved it i was oh, like God. yo like she needs to be in a she's like a john waters character right now Completely it's so good completely agree oh my god she was that was just like such a bright flame of a part oh she played it perfectly and um i guess oh yeah um Irene Cara is also in this movie. This kind of launched her career. She sang the theme song, Fame. Uh, and she also sang Out Here on My Own, which was co-written by Leslie Gore. Uh, but this was like huge, a huge launch for her. This movie um, and is just, it's to me, again, because it's like the prototype for so many others that came after it. I just, I loved it. Like I feel, I, it was the first movie that I saw or in this case, TV show that I saw as a kid, that was the same thing where I felt like, oh my God, I'm seeing black people do artistic things. And I'm seeing, yeah. you know, like it was revolutionary for that for me as a kid. Um, and there's so much tragedy that that surrounded this movie, mainly through the story of Gene Anthony Ray, who played Leroy. And he he died in 2003. He was only 41. Wow. But during the filming, um, and because he was in both the the movie and the tv show during the filming of the movie his mom was in trouble all the time because she was selling drugs during the filming oh man and then there's a there's a usa today article that notes that ray was he was kicked off the tv show after his mother was jailed for running a drug ring and he also failed to turn up for work like over a hundred times. Holy shit. So he was battling his own addictions, but his mother yeah. was running a drug ring and they're like, you cannot run a drug ring on the show. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. So like, yeah. And his life was tragic. And so then after he left the show, like it was just, you know, really took a tragic turn. Like he was, he was homeless for a time, um, like sleeping on benches. He was diagnosed with HIV in 1996 and he died of a stroke in 2003. And was just so young. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like in fame, it's kind of impossible to imagine somebody being that fit. Like, I'm just sort of like how. And I mean, I guess that's also what's fascinating about dancers, too, is just that they're so completely ripped. Like, they're just like toned yeah. within an inch of their lives. And I mean, when he's in that scene where he's the, doing the audition scene, like, I know we're supposed to be hamming it up or whatever, but I'm like, man, it's like peak physical fitness. The other thing that I absolutely cannot 
leave. There are two things that I cannot leave off the table when talking about this movie. One is Bruno's dad, who is supportive to the point of being just iconically horrible and is so (laughs) funny and so sweet and weird. I just love him so much. He's a cab driver. His son already thinks he's from space because he's like, nobody understands my future music because I play three (laughs) keyboards at once. And so his dad is... He was a real innovator, that guy. He was a real... Like, I was like, oh, he would be on like... He would be on Thrill Jockey or some <laughs> like indie record label right now. He would be like, you know, a pioneer of the shit. Like he's he's a little Giorgio Moroder guy Completely. who looks like Paul Rudd. Did you, did you notice that? I was like, oh, is that Paul Rudd? I'm like, no, that can't be Paul he Rudd. Gave, he gave me a mix of like Paul Rudd and Paul Reiser. Is that possible? You kind of get both. The me. two Pauls. The binary. That's that's the Paul binary, right? Like how there's like the row of <laughs> the row of Chris's. The Paul binary. Rudd, right, riser. <laughs> there will be a meme that's like, who's your favorite Paul? Rudd or Riser? You must choose. This is the basis of your personality. Oh, oh, but yeah, Bruno, uh, I mean, Bruno is his own thing entirely, but his dad is just uh. v- part of the beating heart of this movie. Oh my god. Italian as fuck. Oh. I was like. Love loving all of the like Italian accoutrement in the cab where he's got like the horn, the you know, I'm like the horn. You got like the Virgin Mary statue on the dash. Like this is some Italian shit right here. We lay, love it. We lay love it on it. the guilt left and right. Like, did I build you that studio? Did your mother build? <laughs> did your mother buy you those keyboards? <laughs> Just laying it on so thick. Love it. And I also cannot. Okay, there's a scene in this movie, which again, in the end, it's just, it's absolute chaos. It culminates in tragedy for everyone. There's pregnancy, rapes, drugs. There is a scene in a hospital where there's an old lady who's an extra and I just watch out for her. Like if you just look in the background during the scene, she is in a wheelchair. She wheels herself into a wall and then just sits there. And I'm like, I want a whole movie about this bitch. Okay, I... Never have noticed that before. Uh, <laughs> she is just like I'm an extra, but I'm I'm doing the most, and just wheels herself straight into a wall and sits there. Like, what are you gonna do about it? Now I'm in your frame. I'm in your shot. Incredible. What's my motivation? I'm just gonna <laughs> crash. Right? Are we cool with that? It's oh my so god. Great. How have I never noticed that before? Oh, I, I'm going to find out the timestamp for you just to go back and rewatch it tonight. It is so <laughs> good. It just kills me every time. <laughs> but yeah, oh it's, it's a great movie. It is like just fantastic young actors. And again, the proto- it's, it's the prototype. It's the prototype for most modern dance films. Agreed. It's such a good choice. I'm so glad you picked it. Thanks. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, gorgeous. Are you ready for this shit? I'm ready. I'm ready to talk about this so much. So 
Uh, we are going to wing it because, um, like like we mentioned at the front of this podcast, we prepared for the same film. But you know what? I have so much love for this movie that I can probably do it off the top of my head. We shall see. So my movie this week for the theme of dance conservatory films is a little movie from 2006. It's called Step Up, directed by Anne Fletcher. 2.30 tomorrow. Bring tights. Tights? Wait, what? As I mentioned previously, I love dance. I fucking love dance. I love films about dance. I love seeing dance battles. I love seeing dance dramas. And Step Up is like a great entry in like the dance drama. Like Fame, it's like it has its moments. I mean, it's not quite as dark as Fame, but it is like there's a lot of issues of like race and class and privilege and this stuff in, in Step Up as well. But at the same time, Step Up is like a funny ass movie. And I appreciate it on both levels. You know what I mean? Where I'm like, okay, like we are talking about something, but it's also just pure fucking joy. And I kind of ride or die with the entire franchise. So like I've seen every Step Up movie in the movie theater when it came, when it came out. Wow. Um, I, actually, maybe not four. But I but I I saw at least one, two and three in the movie theater the weekend that it came out. There are four. Now, I think there's actually more than four. I think there's like five and like a couple of TV things too. explain my face right now. I know <laughs> they really milked the shit out of this cow. But <laughs> and then maybe like in the dark of the night, I will tell you that Step Up 3D is my favorite. First of all, I mean, there's so many reasons to like the 3D thing because it's in 3D. Like, why does this movie need to be in 3D? But also, it's got, like, this element that I love, which is the, like, we got to save the center. got to save the rec center. And that's, like, what Step Up 3D is about. It's, it's, it's got that woven into it. And I think, progressively, as the Step Up movies were happening, I would say there was more of a cultural interest in, like, dance battle stuff. Because I remember, like, America's Best Dance Crew started coming on television and, you know, it just became like a thing where like people wanted to see like dance battles. Maybe that was the the tone of the 2000s, amongst other things that we will get to later. But um, Step Up is a film that is essentially about a young white kid named Tyler Gage. You know, he's got kind of a rough life. He's kind of like a hoodlum, I guess you would say. He like hangs out with his two friends. Uh, it's like a, his best friend and his little brother. And they do a lot of like petty crime stuff, stealing cars, that kind of stuff. But he's also kind of like not in school and he's a foster kid. So he's kind of got a lot going on. So the brief synopsis of the film is that he gets caught trashing the dance conservatory, which I think is in Maryland in this film. It's like the Maryland School of the Arts or something. And he um, he gets busted trashing it one night because him and his friends break into it and trash the theater, uh, which, you know, has a lot of racial implications and class implications because they're basically in there just being like, what the fuck is this? Like, we should trash this place because for rich kids or whatever. So <laughs> as his community service, he is required to work in the school that he trashed. And so he's basically, he, he has to be a janitor in the Which, school. Come on. I have so much to say <laughs> about that, but keep going. Well, you know, it's sort of like, I don't know if I've ever done community service in the thing that I just cost. I mean, I just cost the school like tens of thousands of dollars, yeah. presumably. And I'm like, oh, well, I'm, 
here working yeah, as re- a janitor. Return him to, I guess. The, to the scene of the crime. Let's do <laughs> the this. Scene of the crime. Okay. So then, what ends up happening as his he's a, doing his janitor business, he gets an offer to help like the senior dancer perform her senior piece because I guess her original partner broke his um, ankle or something or twisted his ankle. So he's like filling in for her. So it's the classic dirty dancing switcheroo where it's basically like, well, my partner is out of commission. So let me get this stranger to help me do this complex. And I only have like a couple of weeks to figure it out. Sight unseen, you know, let's just let's just get this guy working for me. I mean, to be um, fair, she did see him dancing for five seconds in a parking lot. <laughs> yeah, there was a moment where she spied on him popping and locking near a dumpster, which is very common, thought, common in Billy. <laughs> Pop lock. But but also like, yeah, just the fact that she's like, huh, maybe I will get this criminal janitor to attend the school regularly and be my partner for the most important moment of my life. Also, this this is not explicit, but does he... Okay, this is not explicit, so I really need to know the answer. (laughs) In this movie, does his community service go from being a janitor to being her dance partner? (laughs) Is that that what happens? They made a real quick transition. And there was really, like, so... I will talk about Rachel Griffiths in a second because what, what she, is she plays doing? what is she doing in this de- movie? <laughs> she plays the dean of this performance art school that Tyler and Nora perform, and you know she's like total. This is another trope that I love about dance films: is the like hoity-toity dance dean, you know, mm-hmm. like just the head of the school that's a real priss. Wearing a lot of like shawls and wraps and shit. And she's just sort of like, mm-hmm, well, you must perform at the top level at this school. You will not work harder than you've ever worked before because we require that from our students. Fame, fame has one of those, too. I didn't mention yes. her, but she drives a girl to near suicide. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's like these hard ass, lithe white women who are basically <laughs> like... I will fuck you up because it's tradition. I will roll up the sleeves of this J Jill sweater and fucking (laughs) knock you out. Exactly. So somehow at some point she's like, whether or not this is even a legal thing, like he's, (laughs) he's not even allowed to like participate in the activities of the school. She's just like, well, it's up to you. Like she leaves it to Nora basically, which I think is, asinine but whatever also like how are you gonna let your your fucking senior student star dancer just possibly crash and burn that hard <laughs> she's just it's like, like oh <laughs> whatever it's up to you and i'm like it's not up to you you're the goddamn adult here i know this guy just completely trashed the school beyond repair to the point where we're not even allowed to get a scholarship in this piece <laughs> because that's how much damage that he did but we're just gonna let him we're not going to question it. We're just going to let him participate in the recital <laughs> so that people can graduate. I mean, it's so insane. So from that point, yeah, you basically have a fish out of water. I have to say, I know that I've spent a few minutes talking and haven't even mentioned, you know, the piece to resistance, which is that this was the movie that made Channing Tatum America's sweetheart. Mm-hmm. 
And I think he had been in like a couple movies before this, but like, quite honestly, everybody remembers Channing Tatum from Step Up and probably Magic Mike at this point. Exactly. Right. Both dance movies, both showing off his physical, physical prowess, his dance skills. Now, I got to tell you, take it, take it. Take a knee, everybody. We got to talk a little bit about Channing Tatum because I love Channing Tatum. If if you follow me on Twitter, you will see that my twi- Twitter avatar is a picture of me with a cardboard cutout of Channing Tatum. <laughs> <laughs> that is why I cannot believe you didn't think you picked this movie. How did she think she picked fame? How the fuck did that happen? Honestly, but you know what? I think it was just because it was a too powerful of a subject, maybe. But I love Channing Tatum. Like I love him, love him, love him. He's real handsy. He does a lot of a lot of hand work. (laughs) If you notice that in like Step Up, he's he's always doing the hand waves. It's like the um, the old Palm Olive commercial. (laughs) Just like. You're soaking in it, literal like in a Literally. dance move. Yeah, totally. He so he does a lot of hand work, and I'm just sort of like, yo, like he is a king. Like I just love him, and 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 also just the idea that he's just like this guy that made this transition from being like he could have been like a pretty corny dude, yeah, but he somehow won us all over, and he's now like become a legit actor and like has it also has like kind of comedy chops which i think is a surprise and he was like in a coen brothers movie i mean yes. fuck it man what can't he do <laughs> he is he, i get such strong vibes from him that he is the friend of the older brother who's nice to you yes Yes. Like he's he's your older brother's friend, but he he's like, oh, what book are you reading? And he's not asking so we can kick it out of your hand. Yeah. Uh, let me just tell you, like, he was probably he was probably called Chan. <laughs> it's like, yo, Chan's coming over. He wears the same pair of Jinkos every day. And he like gets a ride from the older brother to school. And then like after school, they just kind of sit around and like probably smoke weed. He's that guy, like the older older brother's friend named Chan. He's he's polite to parents, but just enough to get like some free meals. Like they don't <laughs> they, just enough so that they don't mind having him around. <laughs> it's like he, he definitely worked with you at Taco Bell, and you guys would have to close the restaurant together. And he was he always had like grease on the bottom edge of his Jinkos, like just. And wore like airwalk sh- sneakers and shit. Like he's he's like an eternal skater dude. Love you know that. what I mean? From he's Florida. Got, he's got a good vibe. He's got that he's that's a good vibe. Love him. Love him. Love him. Love him. So anyway, this so this was the um this was the beginning of Channing Tatum as we know him. And it was actually the movie that he met his wife, now ex-wife, Jenna Dewan, and she plays Nora. And they kind of met on the movie and you know, they're both like professional dancers. Like he, first of all, if you look back in Channing Tatum's career before Step Up, you'll be like, oh, he was in like all these rap videos. Like he was in a chameleon era video. I'm like, God bless him. And then like, she was like a backup dancer for like Janet Jackson and stuff. So they both have like real, real dancing chops and they're great. 
obviously you have the dynamic where she is the classically trained, you know, beautiful, rich girl. And he's, you know, not the, the bad kid. <laughs> he's, you know, he's the Johnny Castle or whatever. Um, so, yeah, the film is essentially about the build up to her senior piece. And there's a lot of stuff tucked into the film. There's like there's a. A drive-by shooting that happens uh, at one point. Abrupt. An abrupt drive-by shooting. And you could really see Channing Tatum's acting. I mean, he has the like, call that one run! Like, it's a real saving Private Ryan moment. <laughs> he was going for the EGOT <laughs> in that one. Let's, let's just say. Um... <laughs> There's and then there's just like all these other components of the film. So like fame, you have people doing stretches in the hallway, people performing with like trombones and tubas while people are like dancing by, you know, you have the two friends that are like a part of their crew, one of whom is Mario. I don't know if you remember Mario. Mm -hmm. Let me love you, Mario. Yeah. Um, He looks like a young Chris Rock. Like a tiny Chris Rock in this movie. <laughs> yeah. And then there's all this like tension between Nora's like uh, boyfriend at the time. Like when she's, you know, first meeting the Tyler character, he's like, as you can imagine, just kind of an asshole. And he plays the Baxter. And eventually it's like, goodbye. Well, hello. Why would we even just go fall off the the dock we we you could just step step Her? away <laughs> don't step up step out step out that boyfriend was whew. triggering i would say that Very was tr- early tr- 2000s triggering triggering look that's because this is another thing i want to talk about when we talk about step up this movie was made in 2006 now 2006 i was in my mid-20s i just started my job no 2006. I had been at my job for a couple of years. Culturally, however, my God, we were in a bad spot. <laughs> and I know that hindsight is 2020 or whatever, but like, even at the time, I was like, what is up with like these clothes? What is up with like, like it was a real low point for feminism. Oh, like it was like, yeah, talk about that. In the culture, I feel like there was a lot of, a lot of like, just weird stuff going on. There was the clothes. Now, when I watched Step Up, I was basically like, oh my God, we are sitting in a time capsule of fashion. And that fashion included, like if you didn't have a long torso in 2006, you were fucked. (laughs) Because the only shit, the only shit that girls were wearing at that time were basically like tiny ass tank tops that covered neither arms nor uh midriff like it was all very slinky every shirt was a going out shirt yeah going out top and then the pants were usually pretty baggy and low low rise was never able to do a low rise like ever Ever. in my life like in my life was not a low rise jean person and just like sort of like the culture was a lot of like bad like to me this is just my opinion crude sex humor stacy's mom american pie movies just a lot and like the songs were like extra horny and like all the women who were performing songs were like you know 
trying to be like young and sexy and shit. And I mean, I, it could be an age thing because, you know, I'm a Gen Xer and I, when I grew up, like Kim Deal was basically a sex symbol. So right. I'm basically like, okay, I don't know what it's like to have like Christina Aguilera be my Kim Deal. But however, in my mind, I was going, wow, like this movie takes you back. Those tiny, tiny tops, tiny tops, Man. low cut, low cut jeans that are also boot cut. I mean, could we pile on <laughs> more tragedy here? Man, you know, and every time I'm like on the Internet, I'm like, I always feel like there's somebody like trying to send me an article that's like, yo, low rise boot cut jeans are coming back. And I'm just like instantly delete. Not like, in this household. They're not. Somebody tried no. to bring back that that shoe. You remember that shoe? It was like a, a platform black sandal with a sh- big, wide, stretchy strap yes. over the top the steve madden shoes yes. yeah and i'm like those you step in those and your ankles are broken we are not bringing <laughs> them back we are not doing this again <laughs> like that is my outlook <laughs> towards all fashion right now is i'm not doing that again <laughs> well and, and like i said i'm, I'm freely admitting the fact the fact that i'm old and i'm just sort of like yeah i don't i don't know anymore like be like beyond you know my specific era for like high school like I don't know what y'all want to do. Like right. y'all figure it out. Y'all figure out this bando top situation with like the weird tie straps on the back. I'm like, dude, nobody was wearing clothes. But the 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 funny thing is, is the cut was so weird where it was like big pants, big Huge. long pants, but like from basically the pubic bone up, there was nothing going on. There is so. a dance scene in this movie in school. They're in school. And Jenna Dewan is wearing a top. She's wearing like a sweater over a bra, like a little crop top sweater. Her tit is out. It's <laughs> out. <laughs> it's just like that top is not working if you can't keep your tits in. <laughs> and I mean, maybe it's that I just never had it like that. So I'm like, all right. I mean, but like, girl, like, it's not even this like, movie's PG. Yeah. Right. Like, doesn't even have to be whether it's offensive or not. It's just like that shirt doesn't work. It doesn't do the job of a shirt. <laughs> if it can't keep your body parts wrapped up yeah i'm so clearly from a different generation where we just covered our entire bodies in a sack in a flower sack there is a dance scene in this movie though that is kind of like from the minute it started i wanted a dance off like i just saw them moving and i'm like somebody's gotta give me a dance off and there's a little (laughs) bit of that in um the club scene but if you look closely there is a man dancing in a cardigan (laughs) in that scene and i'm like tell me more about this dude who shows up (laughs) to the club in like a button-up shirt and a grandpa cardigan yeah so that dancing cracks me the fuck up because it's that thing where like and this happened in fame too where like people break out into a spontaneous dance however the spontaneous dance is completely choreographed to where we're just assuming that when people just show up to the club, everyone knows their spot, right? It's like, here's your mark. Like, we're doing a spontaneous fucking dance to this band. And like, we all know exactly how to move together in, in the way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what I love about that scene in particular, because this movie, I'd never seen it. It is so funny. There's a scene where... Channing Tatum, Tyler Gage, um, shows up and he doesn't know the moves, but they don't hide it. So he's like at a sink, at a step. There's a seat. There's a part where they like put their fists in the air and he does it too late. And it's just, yeah, it's real. It's really cute. That just goes to show you that's the range of my boy right there. <laughs> that's the range, baby. Like I honestly like it really is step up. The first one is truly a showcase of 
Channing Tatum. Like, it's just basically like, here's the dude that we want to wow you with. The part at the end of when she's doing her final piece where he magically dances into a shirt. I'm like, (laughs) I'm like, here's all you need to know about this fucking king of all men. I mean, he like, where was the Oscar for this? How did he dance into a shirt and hat? Like, I'm stunned by that. He danced into an outfit. <laughs> How do you bring that out at the end of a movie and not... Ex- like, I imagine seeing this in the theater. I would have I would have lost my mind. I would have stood up. I would have <laughs> lost my mind. When I went to see Magic Mike 2 with my friend oh. Maggie in New York, when I tell you that Channing Tatum brings a level of excitement out of people that I've never seen, there was a woman... I mean, people were cheering throughout from from top to bottom. There was a woman who got so excited, she stood up and threw a kitchen sponge at the screen. <laughs> like people were popping off in this theater. They loved everything he ever when the pony song came on and he was oh. doing that dance. A woman threw a sponge at the screen. I- I'm telling you. <laughs> I that is the shit we need right now. We need another Channing Tatum dance film ASAP because shit is pure joy. Like you're so right about the Magic Mike movies. I mean, just as an aside, they are the most joyful, wonderful, especially the second one, because it really like double down on Mm -hmm. the joy of the first one where you're like like the scene where he does the death drop in like the strip club or whatever. At um, I'm just like, I have that on my fucking phone. <laughs> I taped it off the TV and I just play it once in a while to feel great. Just a smile. <laughs> just a smile. And I was just sort of like, that's the thing about Channing Tatum. And I, and this is why this movie I think is so memorable. This is the reason why I'm talking about it right now is because he's just like, he's just kind of like this, good guy dancing for us doing the tricks doing the dancing in the shirt making us throw sponges it's it's great and we need that as a, as a society right now we like i actually don't know if he's been in a movie recently but if he wanted to come and make step up 17 right now i would be in fucking i'm like covid be damned i will attend that super spreader event Yo, just to see it this is how america heals <laughs> Someone get Channing Tatum on the Zoom right now. And he also, wasn't he the one who wrote that when the Sony um, emails leaked? Didn't he have an email that was just like 79 lines of ha ha ha? I mean, quite honestly, everything I hear about it makes me love him more and more. And and I'm sure it's not perfect, but I just got to say, like, as a as a person, as a famous person, I do not stand often. But when I do, my God. It's he's such a great, great, great dude. We all need you right now, Channing. I don't know what you're doing. Don't run for office. Don't run for. Please do not. Just give us another dance movie. (laughs) But I need, I need some hands. I need some popping. I need some like sliding across a bench in a workshop. Like whatever you got, I got it. I need it. We all need it. And at the end of the day, when it comes down to step up as a dance conservatory movie. Literally, why the fuck would you not want to go to a dance conservatory after this movie? You're like, man, this is the way it is. Like, janitors become stars. And 
people are performing perfect choreographed numbers as final projects and it just seems like a blast sign me up sign me I up. promise not to do the audition like the woman from fame and go out like cussing and hitting but I would I, love to try I feel like the the way the world is now just try to apply to a dance conservatory program in a high school. What are they going to do? Everyone's zooming at home anyway. You can dance all at home. They don't have to know that you're in your 40s. Just apply. See what happens. Just do the shoot dance and then, yeah. you know, you know, shoot an arrow. And if it goes real high, then, you know, yay for you, right? Complete. This, this was a great pick. This is a great pick. And I really, really liked this movie. It was so funny. So funny. At a time where... You know, maybe we don't need everything to be so serious. Let's let's have America's sweetheart come and entertain us. Dance us into the night. <laughs> the fuck a fucking kitchen sponge. That shit, is <laughs> real. that shit is real. Oh my god. I don't even know what to say. I feel like I just expelled all my energy on talking about how I love Jack Tatum. That was great. So next week the films are Reality Bites from 1994 and The Way We Were. From 1973. Ooh, guess that theme. What could it be now? <laughs> Danielle, <sighs> I, I've had so much fun with you on this episode. This was a blast. So glad we're friends. Me I know. Um, my only regret is that we did not go to the same dance conservatory school. <laughs> you but I would have been kicked out first week. Yeah, we would have definitely been kicked out. But I will say this. If for some reason you listener went to a dance conservatory oh. and you want to tell us about it what's the email i saw what you did pod at gmail you can yes. post about it on instagram Sh send us your dance conservatory photos at oh my God. on twitter and instagram both at i saw pod yeah if you're in a character shoe you can even slide in my dms like i want to see the <laughs> old school character shoe like the nude heel bring it that heel was distracting. Dancing in a heel like that was distracting throughout. But if you we don't like heels. <laughs> I can't do it with heels. I'm like, I know she's tiny, but that was distracting. If you know, if you were in any of the Step Up movies, please contact Millie. Please. Immediately give her all the dirt, all the backstage, everything. Would love to hear it. Yes, as you know. And, you know, if, if you're on Twitter, we're at I Saw Pod. If you're on Instagram, we're on I Saw Pod. And um, we will see you next week. See you next week. Bye. This has been an Exactly Right production. Our producer is Lauren Elizabeth Brown. Our engineer is Annalise Nelson. Our social media assistant is Taryn Matza. Our theme songs by Tom Bryfogel. Artwork by Garrett Ross. Our executive producers are Georgia Hardstark, Karen Kilgareth, and Danielle Kramer. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at iSawPod. And please listen, subscribe, and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. 